My name is Marshmallow. I'm three years old and I'm a cat and I do not like mirrors. My previous owners had a mirror and whenever I would walk by it, I would flip the f out because I would look in the mirror and I would see this other cat and I'd be like, who the f let you in here? And I know intellectually that was me. That's my reflection. But I can't separate that from that instinctual response of just seeing a f***ing competitor. And my tail would get like really bushy and I would hiss. I would and I would empty my bowels just out of rage. Anyway, I am up for adoption. I'll be at the Westlake Adoption Fair this Sunday and I am looking for my forever family. Welcome to OneWord.com's podcast. Each episode revolves around one word. And the last word of the season is mirror. In three, two, one, go. Every now and then, we catch ourselves in the mirror, and we're like, whoa, ooh, hey, who's, what the, what, who, who the hell is that? Is that me? That's not me, that's not who I feel like on the inside. See, that's the thing with a mirror, is a mirror is an external object that forces us to reflect on our own exterior selves but in the process, reveal our own interior sense of, holy shit, that's not me. A mirror is the moment that we're absolutely confronted with looking at something that is absolutely not me. And yet, it's me. What am I going to do about it? My name is Kat, and I'm a mirror addict. Hi, Kat. Hi, Kat. I am addicted to both purchasing cute mirrors. I probably own more mirrors than I have walls. But I'm also addicted to looking at my reflection in the mirror, for better or for worse, more often for worse. I'm very rude to my reflection, very critical, very judgmental. I have a mirror that's like always with me when I'm sitting on my couch watching TV. There's like a mirror next to me. Like, this is a real problem. Um, I'm often even unaware of my mirror addiction. Like, whenever I drive my boyfriend's car, he points out that the mirror is open and down, like ready for gazing in the little sun visor thing. Like, I don't even remember doing that. It's just like a habit. Anyway. I feel better for admitting this, and I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for listening. Get it, girl. I mean, wow. One of my favorite mirror stories involves a friend who loves cats, and this was back when uh, people had actual cameras. I mean, people still have cameras, but she had an actual, like, 35 millimeter, and her cat came in the bathroom and was just looking adorable, 
And so she snapped a picture and then, you know, took the film to be developed. And when she picked it up, she noticed that her cute little cat that was sitting in the sink did, in fact, look adorable. And in the mirror, you could totally see her naked body, mostly just like chest up. So, you know, boobs. But I'm sure for the kid working the photo mat, that was a real good day at work. I'm standing looking at a mirror right now. It's a window to a world just like mine. Except I can see myself better than from the inside of my head. I see what I guess other people see. And I also see in my eyes and I can talk to me like I'm talking to somebody else. I can say hello. I can say kind things like I'm proud of you and you got this. Maybe that's what Alice did. Looked in the looking glass, giving herself a pep talk and then she got better. If you've ever seen those mirrors where someone put a little sticker on them that says, hey, beautiful, Julius Caesar said, what we wish, we readily believe, and what we ourselves think, we imagine others think also. I think that's how we look at ourselves sometimes, where what we think about ourselves, we think others think about us, and that's usually in a negative way. But the truth is, we're all pretty radiant and amazing. So if we could put that on our mirror, like Stuart Smalley's reflections, and remind ourselves of the good things that we are, the beautiful things that we are, that might allow others to see that too. I asked my boyfriend if he could put a mirror in his room so that when I was getting ready for stuff, I could like look in the mirror before we went out on a date or something. And even though this had no practical purpose, I decided I would. So he got this mirror and it was like a nice size and I was pretty excited about it and he was going to hang it up for me and I was really happy about it. But then... I put it at the normal mirror height, which is so that you can look in the mirror and you can see your face. And I'm 6'1". I walk up to the mirror and all I can see at the very top of my eyes and my forehead. And I realized that like my girlfriend's shorter than me, so I put the mirror lower than I actually need it. So when I look into it, I don't even see the top of my hair. So I have no idea if my hair looks dumb on top, basically. I guess what he was telling me was he just really liked the way my forehead looked. At this point, the mirror is in a location that is not useful for either of us. My husband one time took old lipstick that I never used and wrote something on my mirror. Uh, He wrote beautiful, gifted, and child of God. And I still have that up there years later um, because it meant a lot that he put that on there and because lipstick's really hard to get off of a mirror. How many of us will be submitting mirror, mirror on the wall? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Of course, it was Snow White. So, you know, be careful what you ask because sometimes we ask questions we don't really want the answers to. So if you're going to use a mirror to ask questions, just be ready for the answer. No matter how many times I say that, it just sounds like it's wicked. Seeing your own reflection is wicked. So let's move on from that and from the Wicked Queen and consider how men, apparently, according to some study, favor women who mirror their body language more. Is it possible that the Wicked Queen was merely practicing mirroring herself in anticipation of mirroring the king 
who is waiting to have a banquet with her? I don't know. I see you. I see me. You taught me. Reflection is our perspective. Thank you, Mirror. Mirrors are the windows to our soul. I think that's been said and not sure really what that means. A mirror is also a verb. We mirror each other as conscious beings. We're constantly mirroring each other. I really love that concept that every person you're in a relationship with is a mirror for you. It's so helpful, especially if you're having any sort of adversity or relationship challenges. It redirects the issue back to you and how you're perceiving it and maybe why you have attracted this person or this situation. And it allows you to, one, take ownership and not feel victimized, but also to learn more about yourself. It's almost like you're the only person in the room. And that extends further. I mean, it's almost like the whole world is a mirror for you because, you know, we're all looking at it through our own unique perceptions based on every life experience, thought, feeling, belief, emotion that came before that moment. So... I always um, fall back on that whenever I am having any sort of difficulties in any sort of relationship. And I, yes, I, I do enjoy plant medicine if you haven't already figured that out. This one goes out to any listeners that may be under the influence of hallucinogenics and experiencing a bad trip. I just wanted to say there 100% is a camera planted behind your mirror they are watching you and they're on their way over right now so I suggest that you find somewhere to hide fast do you want my business name or my real name my business name is Brody the Oracle I run Brody the Oracle's cautionary house of mirrors it's not like a fun house of mirrors where you can see what you'd look like if you're tall and skinny or short and fat stuff like that it's a cautionary house of mirrors that shows you uh, what your life might be like if you make bad decisions um, like me, like I, I went to prison for 17 years for drug trafficking. So that's, this is kind of where I got the idea. I wanted to do something positive when I got out. And also I just couldn't get like a job job. It was really hard to get a, you know, like a regular job after you've been to prison for so long. Anyway, you come into the house of mirrors, which is a trail. Admittedly, it's a trailer and you look in the mirror. And then on the other side of the mirror, it's me. And I do a pantomime of like what your life would be like if you got pregnant, like when you were in high school. Or um, if you started like a Viking in habit, and I just acted out. It's a way for me to be creative. And um, just to be clear, there's no actual mirrors in the trailer. They're the actual mirrors are surprisingly expensive. Why don't we put funhouse mirrors in normal public restrooms? I know that might not help you like put your makeup on right, but don't you think that would add a lot more joy to life? Some of the most entertaining mirrors are funhouse mirrors, which is just hilarious to see your... Well, it's hilarious when you're younger to see yourself quite disproportioned. And mirrors are just interesting because I don't really know. Is that really what I look like? It depends on which mirror I'm looking at. I mean, some stores I go into and I feel like their mirrors are purposely skewed. And maybe I'm wrong, but... 
I don't usually laugh as hard as I did in the funhouse when I see those mirrors. It's not because I've lost my sense of humor, and it's also not because my vision has gotten better. I think I'm just smarter. Our phones are basically mirrors on crack. The quintessential black mirrors you hear about. In the olden days, they used to have those obsidian volcano rocks that they would light fire and reflect the light off of, and God knows what they would see. Now we have Apple iPhones reflecting the entire universe at us through the electricity running through the mirror. I mean, it's a magic mirror with electricity and rare earth minerals connecting us to every single other human being on the planet. The mirror is the symbol of vanity. What could be more vain than a mirror? I'll tell you what could be more vain than a mirror. A mirror that plays back your image and whatever light you want with whatever sounds you want, with whatever filters you want. In other words, what I'm saying, kids, is that Instagram and your little TikToks, they've become the new mirrors, the instruments of our own downfall. Like narcissists looking into the pool. What is the story? He like looked at himself so long that he starved to death. I'm probably way off. I got to look that up now. Mirrors are often used as symbols for things like vanity or narcissism. And specifically with narcissism, what comes to mind is the story of Narcissus, which is wild in the details. So you have this 16-year-old young man named Narcissus who is obsessed with hunting, right? That's all he does. He doesn't have time for like anything else, like love or any of that bullshit. So he's hunting in the woods. He's broken so many hearts because he's a very handsome young man and is just rejecting people left and right because he just wants to hunt. And then one day he's hunting in the woods and this adult woman mountain nymph named Echo takes a liking to him and in a very uh, healthy way follows this 16-year-old boy into the woods and stalks him. And Echo, tragically, can only repeat the last thing that was said to her. Long story short, she would distract Jupiter's wife Juno whenever Jupiter wanted to, like, turn into a swan and, like, have sex with human women or, like, whatever affair he was into at the time. Echo would distract Juno by chatting her up. Eventually, Juno catches on and curses Echo so that she can only repeat the last thing that was said to her. Anyway, Narcissus suspects that he's being followed, and so out of concern, he shouts who's there, to which Echo can only reply, who's there. This exchange happens a few more times, and out of desperation, Echo jumps out of the darkness of the woods and tries to embrace Narcissus. Narcissus naturally is terrified, um, pushes her away, and rejects her so hard that her body withers away and all that's left is her echoing voice. So if you're ever worried about rejection in your life, take comfort in knowing that you will never be rejected as hard as Narcissus rejected Echo. Anyway, after this happens, Nemesis, the goddess of revenge, curses Narcissus so that he will fall in love with a man who won't be able to love him back. Coincidentally, after this, Narcissus famously, he goes to get a drink of water at the river, he sees his reflection and he falls in love with it and is stuck there until he dies. But what's worth emphasizing here is that Narcissus doesn't know that his reflection is of him. He thinks the reflection is someone else. Like this poor guy, like he's not like sitting there thinking, I, Narcissus, am so in love with myself. 
he's sitting there going like, who is this beautiful stranger in the water? I love him. Why would he love me back? So fucking sad. But I think it's kind of interesting to take the confusion of narcissists and kind of recontextualize how we use the modern term narcissism today. Because we often say like a narcissistic person is obsessed with themselves. But the confusion here is that the self the narcissist is obsessed with isn't the self that others are experiencing. They're obsessed with an idea of themselves, not that they confuse for themselves, which is also different than narcissist because he's obsessed with a reflection of himself that he thinks is straight up someone else. So I guess the moral of the story is uh, justice from narcissists. And also I may not follow current cultural drama, but I know this shit. I worked as a mover for three years. And I remember going to Restoration Hardware, which is famous for heavy furniture amongst movers. Ask anyone, what does RH stand for? Really heavy. And we got this mirror. It's on a giant platform dolly. And this thing probably weighs 300 pounds, which isn't a big deal. I can handle it. But the partner I'm with that day, no way. Because you got to lift it up in a van, set it down gently. Then you don't know where you're going with it on the other end, upstairs or down a narrow hallway. You can't be shifting unexpectedly. And so I get on the phone, tell the customer, my partner's not doing anything. My partner's a like a 50-year-old meatball. And the guy's like, come on, bring it, bring it. Come on, you guys can do it. And tell him we can't. There's nothing I can do. I can't magically make my partner stronger, you know. So we cancel it. And that's my story about a mirror. You know, we didn't deliver it. We didn't get paid. But we also didn't break a $1,000 mirror. And we didn't break our backs. I broke my shoulder 10 years ago. And I would go to Zumba and... I would feel like I was really just making good progress with getting the range of motion back. And then I would look in the mirror and I would see my right arm and it was where it was supposed to be. And my left arm would like still be like hanging close to my body. And thanks to the mirror, I was able to see that my progress really wasn't that great. And two years later, I was with some friends and they said, let's do mirror dancing. And I'm like, oh yeah, I love mirror dancing. So we started doing it and they said, um, maybe you should use your good arm, which would be my right arm. And I responded, I was. So I guess the moral of the story is, I don't think I'm very coordinated. And the mirror reminds me of that on the regular. I've never been much of a reflection person, really. Although one word has helped with that. But when I think of mirrors, I think of one of the greatest inventions of our time. Little sticky mirror tiles probably made in a Chinese sweatshop. I've seen people make amazing creations out of their mirror tiles. They sometimes put these on an entire car. It's kind of like an invisible car. Cool, except if you're driving near that car and that car is bouncing sunlight in every direction. I've seen people making entire outfits out of mirrored tiles. Picture a disco ball suit. And people even put these things on their face. So you could be an entire disco ball. Disco balls. My favorite kind of mirror. Does anyone know 
what the mirror option in Mario Kart means. Because when you're picking out, you know, at the beginning, you're picking out your character, you're picking out how, like, what level of difficulty you want it to be, there's different options. And one of them is a mirror. Like, it, the option is mirror. I bet. I don't know. I've never played it. But I bet it puts one racer going in one direction and the other racer going in the other direction. Oh. And so you're mirroring each other. But still, it doesn't, it's whoever passes it in five laps wins. That's my guess. If I had to guess with the mirrors. That's a good guess, David. Or you just... You play, it's the same as regular Murray Kart, but you sit on a mirror and you look at your butthole. Okay. <laughs> Mirrors can be kind of scary. When I was younger, I saw some movies which involved a person looking in the mirror and then all of a sudden they see some scary attacker in the mirror behind them. I think that really stuck with me. Like, what was that? Like, there was some scary ritual that little kids do where they, like, turn the lights off and they, like, call on, I don't know, some weird demonic thing to appear in the mirror. I think it's Bloody Mary. I don't know. Anyway, that stuff really sticks with you, man. Like, I still have, like, a little bit of fear. Like, if I walk into a dark bathroom, when I turn the light on, I'm always, like, a little scared that I'm going to see something scary in the mirror. Like, what is that? There's other times when being on a mirror wasn't the greatest. For example, in The Shining, uh, you definitely did not want to see red rum on a mirror. And of course, when you would go to sleepovers as a kid, you would tell that story and someone would inevitably go and write red rum on the mirror. And then you go in to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and you think you've got a shining situation on your hands. And this was before cell phones. So the only way that you would be able to get out of there is to make a huge scene, you know, running out, slamming doors, screaming. I guess you could try the landline, but you'd probably assume that the landline's been cut at that point. I mean, if someone's taking the time to write Red Rum on the mirror, your chances of making a phone call are probably slim to none. When I was a kid, I used to think that if you could somehow jump into a mirror, you would go into the upside down dimension. I used to go into the bathroom and try bending the medicine cabinet in all those different directions to make it an infinite hall of mirrors so I can dive through the portals and come out in the upside-down dimension where everything's in reverse, backwards and upside-down and inside-out. <laughs> That's how I saw mirrors as a kid. Didn't everybody see them that way? And then I became a, uh, a little bit older, like a teenager, and I noticed something in the mirror. And that something was on my nose. And it was red. It was a zit. A zit on my nose. And I squeezed it and pus came out. And I only had this experience because I was staring in a mirror. My most common use case for mirrors, aside from driving, are situations like when I brush my teeth, shave, check my hair, or make sure I'm keeping good form during an exercise. Basically, things that involve focusing on part of my body. But these mirrors I normally use, like my bathroom mirror or the mirror at the gym, are fairly large. There are entire visual fields in these things, offering different views of my environment that I just haven't been paying attention to. I've started taking a moment to appreciate these views whenever I find myself looking at a mirror. One thing I hadn't formally thought about until now is how mirrors affect parallax. Like, normally, if I'm looking forward and just shift myself to the right, 
everything in my view slides in the opposite direction, in this case to the left, at varying speeds. But since left and right are inverted in a mirror, all of the objects I look at when I slide to the right also slide to the right, following my movement. For my 27 years of life, this has just been happening in front of me the entire time. And I've been taking it for granted until a few weeks ago. Mirror makes me think of my friend Frank because he bought a two-story condo in West Hollywood. And the condo was built in the 80s. When he bought it, the previous owner had floor-to-ceiling mirrors in the living room. And the living room was two stories tall. So one whole side of the living room was just mirror paneling. Like, not separate mirrors. The entire wall is just mirror which was a West Hollywood 80s aesthetic, you know? And I just imagine how confident you have to be with your own body to be like, yeah, I want to look at it all the time. I mean, I can't even imagine having a mirror in my living room. That seems like too much. But now imagine you can't not look in the mirror. And I just would think about what the previous owners were like. I like to imagine it was like this couple, they were like fitness instructors. They were wearing spandex all the time and they would only eat like chicken breast. They were never really that hungry because they were doing cocaine all the time. They had another mirror on the coffee table that they would they would do coke on and they invite their friends over and they would just hang out and listen to Donna Summer and Wham and Hall and Oates and go to aerobics and just slay it in the Reagan era. I recently got trained in classical feng shui, and sadly I learned that mirrors are very tricky to use when trying to create harmonious flow in your space. And it's because mirrors amplify whatever they're reflecting, and often people don't have good feng shui, unfortunately. And so it's safer to just not put a mirror up if you don't have to or if you don't know what you're doing feng shui wise and this was difficult information for me to learn as you all know I'm a mirror addict and I had to take down several mirrors that were up on my walls I had to get sober very quickly and I essentially put many of my mirrors in timeout leaned up against the wall with the reflective side facing the wall and they're going to be in timeout indefinitely until I move to a new space and they can possibly be of service and promote good energy there and I'm in a healthier place and I know that I will not abuse the mirror by looking at my reflection compulsively. Ireland is one country that when someone dies, they cover the mirrors. And some people say cover your mirrors at night or don't sleep across from a mirror or else like spirits will suck your soul out. And so there's that concern that some people have. I'm fortunate to not have that. People tell you not to look in the rearview mirror when you're like leaving a space because it's bad luck. But I also think it's bad luck to back into things. I recently had a birthday and I had a friend who's very DIY make me the coolest present, a vintage mirror that she ripped off of the side of an armoire thing. And she etched on three things, a pair of glasses, kind of like the stylized glasses that Roz wears in Monsters, Inc. I'm watching you, always watching you. 
that lady. So like really fun flare glasses. And then next to that, there's an etched crown. And then next to that, there's an etched mustache that sits right about where a mustache would be. So the fun part about this mirror is I can hang it up. And when people come to my house, they can look in it and kind of put themselves behind the glasses, put the crown on their head or put a mustache on their face, which is kind of like a neat interactive mirror to have. Like, oh, you're a queen. Oh, you're a vaudevillian mustache man. Oh, you're a whimsical office secretary from the 1950s. There's other ways to use a mirror. There's probably way more important ways to use a mirror. I think you can use mirrors to reflect light to others as a signal. The uh, first cavemen to use mirrors figured out that they could use them not just to look at themselves, but to signal to other cavemen across the hills, reflect the light, to let them know that the hunt was on, or whatever the hell it is that they were doing. Mirrors bounce the light of telescopes, like we're not looking at our nose hairs in the bathroom mirror. We have mirrors pointed deep into space, reflecting the furthest light possible. I mean, it is pretty miraculous. There's a lot of non-traditional mirrors that people use, like, for example, a spoon or a knife. If you're at a restaurant and you're like, hey, is that Claire sitting behind us? Your friend's like, don't turn around. And then you just like pick up like a clean knife and then you hold it up. A spoon too, if you want a little bit more girth. And you're like, oh, sure enough, that's Claire. Girl, we better like head out the side door. Sometimes a mirror is more than just what you see. Sometimes a mirror is a reflection who you can become. You get to see yourself in a metaphorical way. Romper, bumper, stomper, boo. Tell me, tell me, tell me do. Magic mirror, tell me today. Did all my friends have fun at play? I see Brian and Kat and David. That was just a little saying that a woman, Miss Julie, used to say at the end of her show, Romper Room. It was just a cute little show for kids. And at the end of the show, Miss Julie would hold up her magic mirror and then call out people who she saw. And you always wanted to hear your name. You wanted her to see you in her mirror. During the course of this podcast here, I'm coming to the conclusion that the mirror might beat the wheel as far as an invention. It doesn't take you to as many places, but maybe you don't really have to go very far. If you got the right mirror, you can look inwards, you can look outwards. We can look God knows where. So I think mirror is probably the most apropos word for where we are. Thanks so much for all of your words and stories to wrap up this season so beautifully. I'll start with our ride or dies. My good friend David at Barton Smart Trivia. Liz in Salt Lake City and Kat and Steven in Los Angeles. And big thanks to Abby in Northern Virginia. Anjali in, well, I'm not sure where they are. 
Armin in Leesburg, Virginia, Danielle in Ashburn, Virginia, Scott in San Jose, and Terrence and Anne in Los Angeles. To be a part of a future episode, go to podcast.oneword.com. Until next time. Word up. My birth name was Corinne, but I had a funeral of sorts for that identity in 2016 when I legally changed my name to Sequoia Gojiberry. And I'm an oilist, uh, which means my primary medium is, you guessed it, oil paint. I'm also a nude self-portraitist, which means I'm no stranger to the mirror. Uh, I've seen myself in every possible pose in the mirror, which I think informs my sensibilities as an artist. Pre-pandemic, I had an exhibit at the Bourgeois Pig in Franklin Village. And since then, the majority of my work has been on display at 1614 Glen Holly in Beechwood Canyon, which happens to be my apartment. So... If you're interested, drop me a line and we can schedule a tour. Admission is free.